Hey, everyone, I too want to welcome you to one of our Easter services. My name is George Davis. Thank you for joining us here at the Hershey Free Church online. Now, you just heard several people answer this question, what does Easter mean to me? Let me ask you, how how would you answer that question? Maybe that's something you can talk about if you're watching this service with other people. You can have that conversation after this is over. But even, even as you think about that question, let me ask you another question. And that question is this. What, what terms, what concepts do you associate with Easter? You can answer that question in different ways. Here's one that may not immediately come to your mind. It's the, the theme of, of surprise, the theme of Easter being unexpected. That may not come to our mind immediately because most of us, we're, we're readily familiar with the Easter story. We know what happens. Furthermore, I also realize that given what we've been going through over the last few weeks, Talking about the theme of surprise may not be something you really want to do. Maybe you'd say, you know, I've had enough of surprises over the last few weeks. I've been surprised at tragically how many people have been affected by this pandemic. I've been surprised that I lost my job, surprised that I'm having to do uh, school at home. I, I realize right now we may be tired of the unexpected. Nonetheless, uh, when we look carefully at the gospel accounts, it becomes very clear that Easter was an absolute surprise to all of those people around Jesus. So for the, for the next few moments, here's what I'd like us to do. And let's, let's just enter into the story of Easter. And as we do that, let's, let's be open to the ways the resurrection of Jesus shows how God can work even in surprising and unexpected circumstances. With that in mind, uh, let's now come to the Gospel of Luke. Of all, the, of all the Gospel writers, Luke is probably the one that highlights the theme of surprise the most. Luke records the, the resurrection of Jesus in, in Luke 24. And everyone who encounters Jesus in Luke 24 is surprised. For instance, the chapter opens and we see these women going to the tomb of Jesus. They're going to further prepare his body for burial. As they get there, the tomb is, is open and it's empty. And they, they enter into the tomb and, and they're surprised at what they see, the lack of a body. And while they're there, there are these two angels that uh, come and appear to them and explain that Jesus has been raised from the dead. So they hurry back to the disciples and, and they communicate what has happened. And the rest of the group doesn't believe them. In fact, here's what we read in Luke twenty four eleven. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Luke tells us, though, that that Peter was still curious. And so Peter runs to the tomb and sees it empty. And he, too, is surprised. He's wondering at what's going on. As the chapter continues, we see two individuals on the road to Emmaus, two followers of Jesus, now going to an outlying village right outside Jerusalem. They encounter Jesus on the road, and and they too are surprised. Then one other scene recorded in this chapter includes Jesus appearing to his disciples. And once again, they're, they're surprised. Everybody is surprised that Jesus has been raised from the dead. It wasn't what they were expecting. Now, to understand this a little more clearly, let's, let's zoom in on one of these scenes. Beginning in, in verse 13 of chapter 24, we see these two followers of Jesus. They're on the road to this little village called Emmaus. 
We get the name of one of them. His name is Cleopas. And and we're probably told his name because he would have been more well-known in the early church. And as they're on this road, they're talking about what, what had happened in Jerusalem. In fact, I think it's possible that they were debating these reports that started to circulate about the empty tomb. And, and as they're on this journey, Jesus joins them along the road. And Luke tells us that they're, they're not able to recognize who he is. And so as Jesus joins in and he joins into the conversation, he looks at them and says, hey guys, what have you, what have you been talking about? And Luke tells us at that moment that as soon as Jesus asked the question, they were downcast. I mean, can't you just imagine this? They're, they're walking along this road with Jesus and he asks that penetrating question and, and they just stop. And, and you, can, you can just see kind of their, you know, they slump down, they, they look downcast, their head goes down. And, and the truth is Jesus's question had brought to the surface just the reality of their grief and their sense of loss at all that had happened in Jerusalem. At this point, I think one of them looks at Jesus kind of perplexed. It's like, what planet have you been on? Haven't you heard what's happened in Jerusalem? Haven't you heard what happened to Jesus of of Nazareth? And so they begin to, to tell the story that Jesus had been this powerful prophet, but he had been arrested and he had been handed over and he had been crucified in a very public way. And then then you get this fascinating statement that one of them says. One of them looks at Jesus and says, we had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. You know, when, when I think about that phrase, I think underlying that phrase were certain expectations. It's like they said, look, look, we had certain expectations about how God works. We had certain expectations about how God would send a Messiah, a Redeemer, to liberate us from the powerful uh, Roman Empire. We had certain expectations about how life is supposed to work. And, and Jesus didn't fit those expectations. Listen to those words again. We had hoped. I've got to be honest with you, over the last few days as I've been kind of working in this passage, there's a real sense in which I found myself very much resonating with those words in light of this pandemic. We had hoped. Because you see, coming into April and May, I had certain plans and and certain hopes and expectations for these weeks. I mean, I had hoped over the next few days I was going to be getting ready to take a group of people to Israel. We'd been planning this trip for over a year. I had hoped next month that my wife and I would be flying to Texas and have the opportunity to watch our son graduate from college. I'd hoped that would be a great time with extended family. (laughs) And I had hoped that that time with extended family included barbecue. But now, all those hopes, dreams, they are no more. And my guess is coming into this season, you, you had hopes and expectations as well. Maybe, you know, you hope to be attending a wedding next weekend. You hope to be involved in your kids' activities this spring. You hope to be involved in sports this season at your school. You hope to have a great season of just hanging out and interacting with friends. And, and none of that is, 
None of that is coming to pass as we anticipated. So they're on this road and they describe what's happened and they, they had hoped and those hopes aren't coming true. And now they're downcast. After they described what had happened in Jerusalem, Jesus challenged them. In fact, he, he really rebukes them. Listen to verse 25 from Luke 24. He said, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? It's almost like Jesus looked at them and said, look, I know you had certain expectations about how this was to work. But what you don't fully understand is this. All of what has happened was necessary for God to be faithful to his promises. And then, interestingly, at this point, Jesus began taking them through the storyline of the Old Testament. The storyline that ultimately all points to him, and he wanted them to see that. You know, even as we've been going through the Old Testament uh, over the last few weeks, I, I would love to hear the different stories and scenes from the Old Testament that Jesus described Maybe he went back to the stories of Abraham and he looked at them and said, look, remember the promises God made to Abraham? Do you remember that at the heart of all those promises was the idea that God would be with his people? Well, I am the one who has come to make that possible. Or maybe he took them back to Exodus and recounted the Exodus event. And do you remember how Moses led the people out of Egypt? Well, I am one greater than Moses who has truly come to lead his people out of bondage. Maybe he took them back to Leviticus and reminded them of the sacrificial system and reminded them of of the ways in which God sought to deal with sin and said, don't you see that this, this sacrificial system ultimately anticipated my ultimate sacrifice? Or maybe he took them to the end of Deuteronomy and said, do you remember when Moses looked at the people who were about to enter into the land of promise and said, by the way, ultimately in the future, you're going to fail. But even after you fail, there's going to come a day when God begins a new thing where he works in the lives of people from the inside out. And Jesus looked at them and said, I am the one who through my spirit is now making this possible. So Jesus walks them through the Old Testament and says, don't you understand that all of this, all of this points to what God is doing through me. So the journey continues, and as the journey continues, they finally reach their destination, and as they reach their destination, they invite Jesus to join them for a meal. And here's what happens at the meal. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke, and began to give it to them. And then listen to this. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting phrase that Luke uses. Their eyes were opened. Interestingly, it, it reminds us of a scene from the Old Testament. Do you remember Genesis chapter 3? That first couple, they, in an act of rebellion, they, they take a piece of fruit from the forbidden tree and, and they eat it. And, and the author tells us their eyes were opened. At that point, their eyes were open to the reality that sin has now entered the human experience. Their eyes were open to the consequences of their choices. Now, centuries later, 
these two individuals eat with the resurrected Jesus and their eyes are opened. Their eyes are opened to the new work of the resurrection. Their eyes are opened to the fact that the new creation has begun. As one author put it, their eyes are open to the fact that the long exile of the human race is over at last. I think for them, their, their eyes were opened clearly to the identity of Jesus. Here at last, they understood this, this is Jesus that we are talking to. He's been raised from the dead. So their, their eyes were open to the true person and work of, of Jesus Christ. Furthermore, their, their eyes were open to the reality of God's rescue plan and how they were now part of it. In fact, later in that chapter, Jesus tells his, his disciples that this, this message of, of forgiveness and the repentance and, and this message of transformation needs to be communicated to the entire world and, and it, it's going to start with you. So they're on this road. And their eyes are opened. Several decades later, the Apostle Paul will use very similar language in writing to the church in Ephesus. As he's writing to this church, he says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, or I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened. And one of the things he prays for is, I pray that, that the eyes of your heart are going to be opened so that you understand the amazing work of God's power. And that power is the same mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Now think about that prayer. He's saying, he's saying I'm praying that you would be open to the power of the resurrection. You know, I think if Paul were writing to us today, particularly in these circumstances that we are going through, I think he would communicate the same kind of message. Maybe, maybe Paul would look at you and, and he would say, you know, in the midst of this season that is so unsettling and so disorienting, maybe he would say, I pray that your eyes would be open to your need for the gospel. Maybe the truth is you, you, you know about Christ, but, but you don't really know him. Yet in the course of all that we've been going through, it, it's, it's caused you to ask some really deeper questions about life. You know, what really is life about? What's really important? And, and what makes sense out of life? Maybe this is a season where your eyes need to be opened to the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe this is that season where your eyes need to be opened to the truth that, you know what, you've been, you've been designed, you've been created to be in relationship with God. Yet through our sin, our, our brokenness, we've, we've been separated. That image of God in our lives has, has been distorted. Yet God has put a rescue plan in place. That rescue plan ultimately culminates in the work of that first Easter weekend, Christ's death and resurrection on our behalf. And the Bible says that when we put our faith and trust in Christ, we, we experience forgiveness. We are restored in our relationship with God. And his spirit comes to live and work in our lives, to be, bring about a work of transformation and renewal. So maybe this, this is the season for your eyes to be opened to your need for Jesus. 
The Bible says that this journey of following Jesus re- begins with, with repentance and faith. And this can be a step that you take this Easter. In fact, even as you're watching this service, we would, we would love to interact with you. We'd love to pray with you or answer your questions. You can just click on that prayer tab on your screen and someone would be glad to respond with you because we want, we want to help you take this next step of beginning the journey of Jesus Christ. So maybe Paul would look at you and say, I pray that your eyes would be open to your need for the gospel. Maybe you've already started this journey of following Christ. And Paul might say, in this season, this unsettling season, I pray that your eyes would be open to the fact that through the work of the resurrection, you are deeply loved by God. Perhaps it's the case that the resurrection and the work of God's spirit really needs to break through certain insecurities or negative thought patterns in your life. Maybe it needs to break through certain addictions or unhealthy habits. So perhaps this is a season where in new and deeper ways, God is wanting to break through in your life to show you how deeply he loves you, to show you that as a follower of Jesus, your, your identity, your sense of purpose is deeply rooted in him. And you can trust him even when life seems uncertain. Maybe Paul would look at you and say, you know, I pray that your eyes would be open to see how God's spirit can truly be at work in you. To see how this power of Christ's resurrection can truly affect the way you live and truly affect the way you interact with other people. Because for some of us right now, part of the stress, part of the wear and tear of this season entails just certain relationships and, and how we're having to deal with certain people in our lives. Maybe that's true for you. It's, it's just getting tiring being with your family. In fact, it may be the case that for your family, even before you started this service, there was some kind of argument or disagreement, right? Right before you turned on the TV or the computer. Maybe someone yelled out, why can't we even get to online church on time? And that's how you started watching either this evening or this morning. But maybe this is a season when God is wanting his spirit and the power of the resurrection to stretch you and challenge you to see how you can engage in certain relationships differently. So this Easter, I think this Easter in particular, given our current circumstances, I think we find ourselves on the road to Emmaus. This Easter, given our current circumstances, uh, we find ourselves in a situation where it feels like our hopes, our expectations, all of them have just come tumbling down we find ourselves in a situation where it's just so easy to, to say with those two individuals on the road that, you know what? I had hoped. <laughs> I had hoped this year would be this way. I had hoped April and May would be this way, but it's, it's not happening. Yet, this road that you and, I, you and I are on right now can also be a road where our eyes are opened. The road you and I are on right now can, can be a road where in new and different ways our eyes are open to God's faithfulness. 
The road you and I are on right now can be a, a road where you are open to the message of the gospel for the first time. The road you and I are on can be the road where you experience the power of the resurrection and the work of God's spirit in new and different ways. Yes, this has become an unexpected and a surprising road for all of us. But it's, an also, it's also a road where the power of Easter can be at work. Let's pray. Gracious God, as, as we've been thinking about the message of Easter, we're confronted with a scene and a reality of the resurrected Christ that was so surprising to so many people. It was unexpected. It didn't meet their expectations. But yet it was the, in the middle of all that was unexpected that the power of the resurrection breaks through. And Father, we too find ourselves right now in a situation and in a, on a road that is unexpected and surprising. Yet I pray that we would be open to the truth that this is ex- exactly the place where your power can be at work. This exactly, this is exactly the place where the power of the resurrection can break through. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.